And then uh, today we've come to the final part in this series, The Big Story. And the uh, part this morning is called God Restores. God Restores. And to do that, we're turning to the vision of John in the book of Revelation. That's right at the end of the Bible. It's a vision full of imagery, uh, full of references to the Old Testament, full of references to the historical context of the time. And uh, some aspects, well, we don't fully understand. I think we can say that about the book of Revelation. The Bibles are just coming around to you now. Thanks, Al. And at the summit of this revelation, John speaks of this vision. Uh, It's a vision that goes on through chapters 21 and 22. But in this moment, I'm just going to read the first five verses of Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 to 5. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What an extraordinary, what an inspiring vision John described seeing the new heaven and the new earth. And he's uh, taking the prophecy from Isaiah 65, verses 17 to 25, which starts with that phrase of a new heaven and a new earth, and then opens that up to describe what that could look like. So that little phrase, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, opens up that prophecy from Isaiah. And then John goes on to say, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. Tom Wright, in his short commentary about Revelation, uh, says that throughout the book of Revelation, sea is the dark force of chaos which threatens God's plans and God's people. So the importance of John saying right at the beginning of this vision, there is no more sea, is that in the new creation, there's no more sea. That means there's no more chaos. There's no more place from where monsters may emerge. That is gone in the new heaven and the new earth.
And then John says that he sees the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. There are two recurring metaphors throughout the Bible for the covenant that God has made with his people. One of the metaphors is adoption. We are adopted fully into the family of God. We're counted as heirs. We're counted as sons of God. We get the full rights of the the heir. So as women, we have to get used to the reality that we're called sons of God. We're heirs of the Father. The other metaphor for covenant is marriage. The church is described as the bride of Christ. So men, you have to get used to being called brides. And it's this image that John speaks into here, that it's the holy city coming down. It's like a bride dressed beautifully for her husband. Now, in my mind, when I heard that phrase, the city's coming down, I kind of had a, you know, one of those kind of movie images of a city arriving. But actually, a city is full of people, isn't it? So this description of Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem, is people coming. It's the people who are the bride of Christ, beautifully dressed for their husband. And that covenant image is brought to its full expression in the new heaven and the new earth. Because it is in this new heaven and this new earth that God will make his dwelling place with the people. God will dwell with his people. And in the beginning, right back at the beginning of our series, right back at the beginning of Genesis, the beginning of the Bible, we see God dwelling with those he's created. He walks with humanity in the cool of the day. And in this summer, we understand a bit more about the cool of the day. We welcome that, don't we, in the evening? Round about 10 or 11 o'clock at night sometimes, we hit the cool of the day. And that's the point where God is described walking with Adam and Eve. He's looking for them in the cool of the day. God dwells with his people. So that was before the fall, in creation, God dwells with his people. But we as humanity, we walked away from that following the temptation of Satan. We chose instead to try to be like God in our own way and that was the fall but God sends his son to redeem. And in doing that, he sends his son to dwell with us again. That dwelling word comes in. At the beginning of John's gospel, the word took on flesh and dwelt amongst us. Tom Wright again, what God did in Jesus Coming to an unknowing world and an unwelcoming people, he's doing on a cosmic scale. 
He's coming to live forever in our midst, a healing, comforting, celebrating presence. Heaven and earth will be joined together in Jesus. This future vision of heaven and earth will one day be joined fully and forever. And Paul says exactly the same thing in Ephesians 1 verse 10 in his letter. This will be put into effect when times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. This future of God dwelling with his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe every tear from their eye. I think that's so important to recognize that even in the new heaven and the new earth, God will be wiping the tear from our eye. Because Life is tough. Life carries with it disappointments and suffering and hurt. And in the new heaven and the the new earth, God will wipe the tear from our eye. There will be a reality check, a recognition of. We carry a tear. And God himself will wipe that from our eye. That is the vision of the new heaven and the new earth. And then the vision continues in this future hope. It's a place where there is no more sickness, no more suffering, no more sadness, and no more Satan. The old order has gone. The defeat has, of Satan has taken place. place of no more suffering, no more sickness, no more sadness, no more Satan. Christopher Wright in his book, The Mission of God, says this, this inspiring vision portrays God's new creation as a place that will be joyful, free from grief and tears, life fulfilling, with guaranteed work satisfaction, free from the curses of frustrated labor, and it will be environmentally safe. Oh, I want to get there now. (laughs) I want to get there now. And in this new creation, God is making all things new. You see, in the new... God isn't obliterating all that we have now. No, he's going to restore every part of it. He's going to bring the first heaven and the first earth together. And he's going to transform that first heaven and the first earth because by abolishing everything in it at the moment that is to do with 
the horrible and the disgusting and tragic effects of human sin. He's going to do away with all of that. And he's going to bring the new worlds together. And that's why it's a completely new world, the heaven and the earth. But it's not destroying the current earth. It's redeeming it. It's renewing it. It's restoring it. And all the bad stuff gets taken out of it. So Tom Wright again, describing this new world. It will be like the present one in the sense of its being a world full of beauty, power, delight, tenderness and glory. This new world will be like the present one, but without all those features, particularly death, tears and everything that causes them, which makes the present world what it is. It's not that earth is, goes and we all head to heaven. God brings both together, restores it all together and dwells with his people. That is the vision of the new heaven and the new earth. That is the eternal hope that we hold on to. And it's the eternal hope that God holds us in in Jesus Christ. He has made this possible through Jesus Christ. And we receive more than glimpses of this in the present. Because it says in Colossians that our life is hidden in Christ already. So if we're following Jesus, heaven is part of who we are, here and now. And yes, we have to battle with everything else that we see. And that's why we pray for God's kingdom to come into the present, because we're still part of the first, the first earth and the first heaven. But that future reality is made present in us through Jesus Christ. So we hold on to a future hope and we live with that present reality as a gift to us from Jesus. And what does that look like? Well, this morning, earlier on, I heard a great example of what this looks like. And I've asked Sarah to share it again. Uh, Sarah was preaching at the nine o'clock this morning. And as I listened to how she described the future and the present, I thought I'd like her to share this this morning at the 10.32. So Sarah, over Thank to you. you. Thank you, Anne. It's on. Can you guys hear me? Great. Um, so, uh, yeah, so... I was preaching this morning at the 9 a.m. and Anne's asked if I could just share an illustration that I had in my sermon then uh, with you guys. Um, essentially, it came out of uh, a verse in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, where it says that our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a saviour from there, our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, now, I've been quite obsessed with this verse for a number of months now um, and I just keep chewing on it and keep mulling on it. 
Um, and I really feel like God's spoken to me through it many, many times. But in conjunction with um, the Revelation 21 passage, I think it has a lot to say to us today. Um, I've brought along two passports with me. I hope you can all see them. Uh, they're both mine. Uh, one, the green one here is a South African passport. Uh, my family's South African and I was born in Joburg. And uh, the red one here is a British passport. Uh, I've lived here for 12 years and my mum's also British national. So I'm able to hold both of these passports and be a citizen of two nations uh, and one doesn't take away from the other, right? Now, inside here, I've got to try to do this one-handed because I've got a handheld mic now. Let me find one. Okay, this stamp here is an entry visa, India. There is a big difference between a visa and citizenship. A visa allows for entry, and it's off, but it's often restricted, and it does not give the same rights as citizenship. A visa is temporary, it is limited, and it often comes with very strict terms and conditions. Citizenship, by contrast, is largely unconditional, and it speaks of belonging. I do not lose my South African citizenship by being in this country. Moreover, a citizen has participatory rights regardless of whether they are there or not. So, an uh, example is that I can, I can vote for, in South African elections even though I'm here. Now, we can't vote in heaven. Don't take the illustration that far. It's not a democracy. Uh, where was I now? I've gone off the thing. All right, so... My main point is that if we view the picture that Anne's given us today out of Revelation 21 just through the lens of future hope and we don't think about it through the, uh, through the lens of the now, what we're essentially doing is we're treating Christ's work as though it gives us an entry visa into heaven and not full citizenship. Because if it was an entry visa, it would be a temporary thing. It would be limited. We'd be able to lose it. We'd have to do something to renew it. But citizenship never expires, and it speaks of belonging. So even though we know that we're going there one day, we know that we belong there now. Does that make sense? A citizen belongs in that place regardless of whether they are there or not. If you have made your peace with God, you are a citizen of heaven. This is what the Bible says. And as citizens, we can rightly say that we belong there, even though we are not there yet. So we know that this citizenship, unlike a visa, does not expire, and it does not come with a set of terms and conditions. So we've heard today that God's dwelling place is with mankind, and that God, heaven is in us. So we know, as Anne said, that one day he will wipe away every tear from our eyes, but today, if we weep today, in the pains of today, we know that he is also here with us. I've had experiences in my own life where I've been weeping and weeping and weeping. And I, and I know that one day he's going to dry the tears, but I've tangibly felt the presence of Jesus weeping next to me in that moment. So we, we, we hold this idea of our citizenship of heaven being a place that we go to, but it's not just this little entry visa. We're citizens now. We're citizens now. 